This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Bill Mice? First, a look at the background of this case. I'll move to the timeline of the crimes, then offer my analysis. William Mize Waters was born in El Paso, Texas, on September 13, 1961. He went by the name Bill. His mother, Eve, had been raised in Florida. His father, William Mize II, was from Kentucky and had achieved success in the restaurant business in Florida. Bill's parents were not married when he was born and his father was not involved in his life at this point. Eve was pretty busy. She had three children from a prior relationship. She had someone else care for Bill briefly when he was an infant. After she picked him up, they traveled to an area south of San Francisco, which is where Bill was raised. Bill attended high school, but he dropped out before earning a diploma. He moved out of his mother's residence and became a bartender. Bill met a teenager named Teresa Maston, when he was visiting his sister in Idaho. Bill and Teresa married not long after this. She was only 15 years old. She became pregnant with a son right away. At some point, Bill's biological father, William Mize II, came back into the picture. William adopted him, and Bill changed his name to Bill Mize. For some reason, Bill decided not to become William Mize III. Instead, he selected William Mize IV. Bill decided to name his newborn son William Mize V. There are no rules for assigning a numeric suffix. They are not part of the law. Bill could have called himself Bill Mize II if he wanted to. There is no doubt that would have been a great conversation starter at parties. I'm surprised that Bill was excited to have his identity tied to other people, like he was just one person in a long line of similar people. I would have thought that, with his level of narcissism, he would have wanted to be viewed as unique, one of a kind, the first of his name, to use a Game of Thrones reference. Bill moved his family to Sacramento, California. He worked at various restaurants there. In 1984, Bill and his wife had a daughter named Angela. Both Bill's father and his adoptive mother died in the late 1980s. This meant that Bill received a ranch house in Arizona as well as about 
$700,000. Bill used the money to open a restaurant in Sacramento, where both he and his wife worked. He also bought a motorboat and a Corvette. I guess he was just sticking with the essentials. Bill and Teresa had trouble in their marriage. They ended up getting divorced and having an acrimonious custody battle. Near the end of 1993, Bill abandoned the business and took his children to Acapulco. There he started a marijuana smuggling business. A few months later, the family moved back to the United States, and Bill continued smuggling marijuana. Bill met a woman named Sandy Talento one time when he was on a cruise. She had a degree in criminal justice. Bill lied to Sandy and told her he owned a water skiing business. Sandy realized that Bill was lying, but she was attracted to him anyway, and they became a couple. She even stayed with him when he spent some time in a Mexican jail after being caught with drugs. Other than being invited to spend quality time in jail, Bill did pretty well as a drug smuggler. He earned about $100,000 a year. He used his newfound wealth to improve his physical appearance. For example, he had corrective eye surgery and surgery on his nose. Bill always had stylish clothing and expensive vehicles. In the early 2000s, Bill made a career change. He bought and sold houses in Las Vegas with the help of Sandy, who had a real estate license. In 2005, Bill purchased a house positioned on the side of a cliff in Spokane, Washington. The house was upscale. It had an incredible view and a circular driveway. Bill eventually added gargoyles to the lawn. These are often placed on lawns to ward off evil. I guess evil forces are repelled by tackiness. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. Bill found a new way to make a living after arriving in Washington. He defrauded insurance companies. Over time, Bill refined his operation and included a number of conspirators, like his wife and son. About six times a year, on average, Bill and his conspirators would stage motor vehicle collisions. His conspirators would find crash sites, mostly between Las Vegas and Spokane. Bill frequently staged the collisions at night using a luxury car with high insurance limits. Prior to the collision, he would injure the conspirators with various objects, like a brick wrapped in sandpaper, a two-by-four, or a bottle. He wanted them to be injured so that they could collect more money. They agreed to this. This was part of the scam. So they knew that he was going to strike them with various objects. The conspirators would occasionally wear protective gear like helmets before ramming one vehicle into another. They would remove any protective items before first responders arrived. The conspirators would be taken to the hospital. They would tell the staff that they had insurance, but the insurance cards were not in their possession at the time. A few weeks later, they would return to the hospital and request an itemized bill. They would offer to pay the hospital cash, but at a discount. Sometimes they would simply refuse to pay. Bill Mize would then negotiate with the insurance company on behalf of the victims. He acted like he was doing the insurance company a favor by sparing them an expensive lawsuit. He would use the itemized bills, which were sometimes modified to show more expenses. In addition, he would ask for compensation to cover property damage and lost income. Bill had to manage a lot of people and keep a lot of information straight to run his fraudulent operation. He was reasonably careful and precise with every move he made. For example, 
No cell phones were permitted at these staged crash sites. Bill maintained a number of P.O. boxes. He had multiple bank accounts. And he would regularly destroy the hard drives on his computer, typically by using a firearm. One of the challenges that Bill could not overcome was the fact that some of his conspirators had to use their real names. This was the only way they could get paid from the insurance companies. This meant that Bill needed new people all the time, which increased the risk that somebody was going to tell the authorities what he was doing. Bill did not restrict himself to just motor vehicle collisions. He was happy to commit many types of insurance fraud. On one occasion in 2007, he conspired with his wife Sandy and his nephew Ryan. The scheme involved pretending that Sandy had been hit in the head with a ceiling fan, which mysteriously plummeted from the ceiling at Ryan's residence. Bill staged the scene by pulling the ceiling fan down and by cutting Sandy's head. She pretended to fall on the ground. Ryan called 911, and Sandy was taken to the hospital. Years later, Ryan became romantically involved with a woman named Kimberly. Bill Mize pulled her into the family business as well. He told her it was a victimless crime. In 2013, Bill recruited his daughter, Angela, who had initially rejected the fraudulent enterprise. She started working for him, playing the part of an at-fault driver in staged collisions. In 2016, Bill persuaded a man named Ron Wells to participate in a scheme. Ron had borrowed money from Bill, which gave Bill leverage. One night in October of that year, Bill's crew went to a country road east of Spokane. The collision involved Ron's Dodge Ram and Bill's Ford F-250 and boat, which was towed behind the F-250. Bill drove Ron's Dodge Ram into the back of the boat before having Ron get in the driver's seat. Bill went and climbed into the passenger seat of his own Ford F-250. The idea was that Ron was at fault for the collision, and Bill sustained losses. In March of 2018, Bill and Sandy divorced, but it wasn't because the love was gone. It was so they could declare bankruptcy individually. This was just something else they did to make money. In May of that same year, Bill Mize's luck would run out. The FBI raided Bill's house and his nephew Ryan's house. Bill tried to get money out of his bank accounts, but they were already frozen. In December of 2018, 22 conspirators were indicted, including Bill and many of his family members. They were accused of staging 33 collisions in order to fraudulently obtain over $6 million. Charges included money laundering and mail fraud. Bill was charged with 87 counts. He was released on an unsecured bond. In 2019, Sandy, Angela, Ryan, Kimberly, and Ron all accepted plea bargains. Many of the conspirators only had to serve a few months in prison. Sandy, however, was sentenced to almost six years. Bill Mize decided that prison wasn't that appealing. He went on the run. Bill Mize is still free. He was last spotted in 2019 at a liquor store in Henderson, Nevada. He was dressed in a manner consistent with boating, according to the authorities, and he left without buying any items. Investigators believe that Bill Mize realized that he'd been spotted and he wanted to get away as soon as possible. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder. In-House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Sometimes when people think of criminals who stage collisions, they imagine a number of people loading into a car, driving out in front of a tractor trailer on a highway, and stopping suddenly. That's not what Bill Mize and his conspirators were doing. They operated a closed system. Only people in the scam participated. Bill did victimize the public, but through increasing insurance rates, not by involving them in collisions. Item number two. During a custody dispute with his first wife, Bill was given a mental health evaluation. The clinician said that Bill was controlling, extremely narcissistic, and arrogant. During that same custody dispute, Bill made a statement about his ex-wife's boyfriend, saying that he represented a social class that Bill had worked diligently to raise his family above. Bill liked to project a certain image. He liked expensive cars and fancy clothing. He felt that he was entitled to have everything from everyone. There was no limit to what he deserved. Item number three, Bill was able to coerce people into becoming conspirators by loaning them money. Helping Bill in the scams was a way for people to pay him back. Bill made it seem like they would never get caught, and if somehow they were arrested, he would take the fall. Once somebody became a conspirator, Bill maintained a high level of control over them. He wanted to know where they were every minute of every day. Bill was an effective manager of his criminal enterprise. He understood how to manipulate and control people with money, false promises, attention to detail, and through his high level of self-confidence. Bill was incredibly intelligent. In addition to the manipulation based on getting people into debt, Bill used his philosophy of life to persuade people to join him. He had a tremendous level of contempt for people who worked traditional 40-hour-a-week jobs. He told people that regular employment trapped them in a low income. They would never be successful. They would never enjoy financial freedom. He convinced people to hate the system, and to believe that when they defrauded insurance companies, they were simply striking back at the system which was oppressing them. The companies were the enemy and deserved to be defrauded. At some level, I think that Bill Mize believed this was true. This wasn't simply a manipulation tactic. It was his philosophy. It helped him to justify his own behavior. He may have also believed that the world was coming to an end. Therefore, it was important to gather all the resources he could. Bill stockpiled firearms, built a stone wall at his mansion, had a generator, 
and protected his property with barbed wire. Item number four, Bill did not have empathy for anyone. To him, people were simply a means to an end, a way to make him money. Several of his conspirators sustained permanent injuries in staged collisions. This was exciting to Bill because it would result in higher insurance payouts. He was particularly fond of head injuries that would show up on a CT scan. Some of Bill's conspirators became addicted to narcotics because they had been repeatedly prescribed pain medication for various injuries. Many of the conspirators felt as though the pain and suffering was worth the payoff. But there was something they didn't know. Bill was keeping some of the money that he was supposed to be paying to them. For instance, one time he had a conspirator chip a tooth in a staged incident. Bill told him that the insurance company did not pay the claim, but they actually paid over $200,000. Bill put that money straight in his pocket. Item number five, what could have been going on with Bill's personality? This is just a theory, my opinion. Bill appeared to have a number of dark triad traits. That is, characteristics of narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. Sometimes the dark triad is referred to as the dark core or the dark personality. Let's take a look at the dark triad traits and see how Bill's behavior aligns with them. Narcissism is characterized by self-centeredness, grandiosity, envy, arrogance, being condescending, having a sense of entitlement, and having a need for admiration. Bill clearly wanted people to think well of him and projected an image of success. He looked down on people who worked for a living. Moving to psychopathy, this is often viewed as the darkest of the dark triad traits. It is characterized by a lack of empathy, guilt, or remorse. In addition, people who are psychopathic are impulsive, reckless, fearless, and deceptive. Bill appeared to lack empathy, guilt, and remorse, and he was deceptive, but he wasn't necessarily impulsive, reckless, or fearless. The last trait is Machiavellianism. This is when a person has a cynical view of human nature and believes that the ends justify the means. Bill's behavior aligns with all three of the dark triad traits, but the connection to Machiavellianism is the most pronounced. For example, people who are Machiavellian believe in long-term strategic planning. Clearly, Bill planned his crimes carefully. Bill had a tremendous level of impulse control. He was willing to delay gratification. Sometimes he would not collect money for his scams until several months after putting in the work. Bill was deceitful for a purpose. He did not typically lie only to satisfy his ego, although he did that sometimes, like when he lied to Sandy about having a water skiing business. Bill was able to hide his intentions. He did not usually brag about his crimes. He was careful about what information he gave to his conspirators. So he was able to achieve this wealth and yet keep his secrets to himself. He knew that sharing too much information would hurt him. Bill had superficial charm. He was considered charismatic and gregarious, but he did not have any depth or sensitivity. Now moving to my final thoughts. Criminals often fail because of their impulsivity and recklessness. The very characteristics that drive them toward crime result in their undoing. Bill Mize was not like this. His undoing came because he committed too many of the same offenses, and his crimes required a lot of people being involved. It was more about greed than a lack of planning for any specific scam. 
Criminals who are dangerous financially are often Machiavellian. They want to reform society with themselves as king, to have their own empire. They proclaim that their crimes are victimless. But what they really mean is that all people are criminals and cannot be victims at the same time. Again, they have a cynical view of the human condition. Everybody is a criminal, and it's every criminal for themselves. A person who is Machiavellian says to themselves, someone will exploit these criminals. Why not me? This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.